Amen. Thank you, worship team. It's one of my favorite songs, all-time powerful songs of the love of God, and uh, very scriptural as it talks about him leaving the 99 to come after the one. Well, we're going to be talking about having a heart of gratitude this morning. As we look into two different scriptures, remember I said we're not going to be doing any scriptural calisthenics anymore. We're only going to be looking at two different areas of the Bible rather than seven. Uh, And then we're going to be walking into our series on Christmas next week. Can you believe that Advent starts next Sunday? Man, that's tough. That's it's just quick. And I love Christmas. I love it. The theme of our Christmas Advent season is going to be the Advent of hope, this birthing of hope that happens with the beautiful birth of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into the Scriptures. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who sent your Son. I thank you, Father, that you are a God who loves your children. I thank you, God, that you are a good, good gift giver. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But you still give. And we are grateful. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that as we open up your word today, that you will reveal it to us, that you will make it make sense, that it will come alive as we read your scripture. And may we not just have a moment of education, but Father, I pray for a time of transformation. In your name, amen. I remember a specific Christmas. I was either 16 or 17 years old. And I remember the one thing I wanted, the big rock in my wish list was a DVD player. Yes, by the time I was 16, they did have DVD players, and they were really, really expensive. Now you could get one for like $10 on Amazon. But back then, this was the big part of my list. And I knew that this is what I wanted. This is the thing that I was clinging on to. And so I put it on there, and Christmas morning came, and I was excited. I woke up as my 16 or 17 year old self, and I was just waiting for the DVD player. Well, I opened some gifts, and you know, as a 16-year-old, you don't really want clothing, but everything I seemed to open was a hoodie, was a shirt, was underwear, socks, and you're thinking, what? This is not Christmas. I could go to the store. You should buy these things for me for school anyways, right? September just happened. Why am I getting these things? And so I began to have a kind of an attitude problem. And I started seeing everyone else get their big thing on their list. And I kept getting clothing. And I kept getting batteries or whatever it was. It was just a strange time. And my dad did this on purpose. I would later find out that he would continuously give me these really junky things. But it was a problem for me because I continued to have a, a grumpier and grumpier and grumpier attitude. And so finally, when I got the DVD player, I opened it up. I wasn't as excited as I would have been had I opened it first. (laughs) I was a little bit grumpy. It was kind of like, it's about time I got the thing I really wanted to get. And later, my dad, he said he purposely wrapped up batteries and put them into my, my gifts because he wanted to draw it out. He says, and I still have a problem with this. He said that I have a problem with instant gratification. I want it right now, right? And so God was teaching me a lesson in that moment about entitlement. 
You see, I was just entitled. I felt like I deserved that DVD player. I put it on my list and I put very few other things because that's exactly what I wanted. And when I got it, because of my grumpy attitude, I didn't appreciate it very much because I was living in a moment of entitlement. Now, I share that story because I believe that you and I can end up doing that same thing with the Lord, where we get a little bit grumpy, and we're not getting what we want or what we feel like we deserve. We can be entitled, and our society is an entitled society. The American culture is an entitled culture. If you were to go around different areas of the world, there's not that sense of entitlement that you and I are grown into and birthed into as Americans. Because we're told we need to have it the way we want it. That it's we deserve what we, we earn. But we neglect to live in gratitude because we feel that way. Our entitlement hinders our gratitude. In fact, I would say that entitlement generates ungrateful hearts. Entitlement generates ungrateful hearts. Just like that moment when I received the DVD player, I wasn't grateful. I looked at my parents and I said, well, it's about time. Right? That's, that's not a grateful attitude. That wasn't an excitement moment of, yes, I got it. Thank you so much. Giving hugs and kisses. No, I didn't give hugs and kisses. I gave dirty looks like, come on. So I want us to look at the scriptures, and I know that I've utilized this portion of scripture before, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I know for a fact that I've shared a little bit about it because it's one of those scriptures that just nails me in the heart every time I read it. And then we're also going to be looking at Psalm 9, 1 through 6. And we're going to answer this question, how do we have a heart of gratitude in an entitled culture? How can you and I have a heart of gratitude in an entitled culture? And I purposely chose this sermon for after Thanksgiving because we can talk a lot about thanks as we're getting to Thanksgiving. And then we go right from Thanksgiving Day, we now eat at 3 o'clock so that we can get to the store by 7. And then we wake up the next morning at maybe 3 in the morning, which no one would wake up at 3 in the morning on a normal day. And then we go shopping all day trying to climb over people to get some stuff. And so maybe that was you. I know that it's really easy to do the thing online now, and I like the online thing because I don't have to get stomped by someone, right? But I think it's important that we talk about thanks after Black Friday because it's an important part of understanding the Advent season. So how can we have a heart of gratitude in an entitled culture? And so 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it's real quick. It says this. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And we'll unpack that in a moment. Psalm 9, 1 through 6. We already read it, but I'll read it again. Psalm 9, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord says this. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. 
When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations, and you have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. Focus on that first verse too. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. All of your wonderful deeds. I think as we unpack this scripture and we look at that very small portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians, the first thing that we can see in order to have a heart of gratitude is that a shift in our perspective makes gratitude possible. A shift in our perspective makes gratitude possible. Let me explain. When Paul was having this conversation in the book of Corinthians with the church in Corinth, he knew what was going on. And so let me give you a little inside look into the church of Corinth. They had an arrogance and entitlement problem. They walked around thinking that they were the bee's knees of Christianity. They felt like, I, I serve Apollos, he's the best teacher. I'm, I'm awesome because of that. Or I serve Paul, then he's the best. And so, because I'm one of his disciples, I'm the best as well. And then other people were trying to be really righteous and like, oh yeah, well you follow those men, I follow Jesus. Woo! I'm the best teacher. I'm the best person. You see, but they weren't doing it because they wanted to say that they were really following Jesus. They were doing a one-upmanship, like, oh yeah, you follow Paul, I'm a Jesus person. The attitude was wrong. And they lived in this way, and they, just, they felt like they deserved what they got. They were a highly educated culture. They were philosophical, and they loved learning, and they loved talking about new things. And it was kind of like America. I would say that America is a modern-day Corinth. Because of the issues that they wrestled with, they're like us. They wrestled with very similar things. An over-sexualized culture, an idolizing culture. They just were all about themselves. And that's how they approached the gifts in their life. They were boasting as if the things that they had, they deserved. That they earned it. That Man, because I'm so smart, of course God is going to give me that. It was kind of like that DVD player issue that I had where I was looking at my parents and saying, I put it on my list, of course they're going to give it to me. But Paul here, he's kind of humbling them. And this comes right after their, his conversation with them about the teacher that they serve. And he asks them, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? A shift in their perspective would have helped them see that what they had was a gift. That what they had in their life was not something that they even deserved or something that they earned at all. Because their salvation, Christ's resurrection and death on the cross had nothing to do with their capabilities, their genius, the teacher that they followed. And he's like, just, just for a second, what do you have that you did not receive? He was trying to get them to shift their perspective. The Corinthians and you and me are not saved by anything that we've done. Our sins, not our good works, put Jesus on the cross. You and I did not deserve his death for us, and neither did the Corinthians. He was trying to get them 
and us by way of reading it today to see something different, to shift our perspective, to understand that seeing everything good as a gift changes our view on life. If you and I were to sit down and look at all of the things that we have in our lives and we were to say, that is a gift, and really believe it, and really own the fact that that is something that you did not deserve, that is something or someone that you did not earn, it will change your view on life. Listen, that story of me being entitled about the DVD player, I wish I could tell you that by the time I turned 18, I lived in perfection and I was never entitled ever again, and I stand here as one who has fought the battle for entitlement and won. But I'd be lying. Ask my wife, right? I feel when I go to a store or when I go to a a restaurant, especially a burger restaurant, I expect and anticipate and I feel entitled to the proper medium rare burger. And if I don't get it, I'm like, well, I'll just take this back because I'm entitled. I'm paying for that. But even that burger, although it wasn't done the way I wanted it to, was still a gift. You see, we need to shift our perspective and see things as gifts in our life. God is good, so therefore, he only gives good gifts. Now, I know that there are bad things that happen in life. God does not do those to our lives. God brings good gifts. Does he allow certain things to happen? Absolutely. But I don't believe that God takes his finger and says, I'm just going to give you bad stuff right now. To those who call ourselves Christians, he loves us and cares for us and gives good gifts. And he will bring healing to the areas of brokenness and those areas of pain and issues in our life. God can teach us lessons. And there might be sin in our life that's causing that. And we need to confess and repent and turn back to him because our choices affect what happens in our lives. But when it comes to gifts, God is good and therefore he gives good gifts. We do not deserve the good things in our lives. When we come to this idea of giving thanks, we need to start at that place, recognizing that the gifts we have are from him and we did not deserve them. Because when all we have is a gift, God's grace becomes more tangible. God's grace becomes more tangible. We can experience and understand his grace when we come to a place, and I I will keep referencing back to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, as we talked about uh, many months ago. This idea of where we were, how we were trapped in our sin, and how God brought about salvation if we turn and repent, uh, turn away from our sin, repent and turn to him. The gift is free but it's a difficult one to sometimes do, to turn away from sin, to turn to him. But it's a gift. And when we can look at everything in our lives, your school, your spouse, your job, your ability to read and your ability to wake up and step on the floor in the morning, your ability, the ability to see that everything that you have, your house, your car, your family, all of them are gifts. You don't deserve it, and neither do I. That changes 
our perspective on life and allows us to see the grace of God. It becomes much more tangible. Let me share with you kind of a story that will help us understand the grace that we are receiving. It's very similar to the story in the DVD as the DVD story was, but it's a little bit different. Imagine that in your family you have someone who is really wealthy. And they decide one day that you need a new car, and they're going to buy you a new car. And they show up on Christmas Day, right? You might have been seeing all those, those commercials with new trucks where the husband buys one, and he's like, hey, look at all these great gifts, these two trucks, and the wife chooses the blue one, but that's the one he wanted. Imagine that happens for a second, and you're just blown away. You say, wow, this person gave of their wealth, thought about me, realized I needed a new car, and got it. And you are excited, and you're grateful, and you do the crying and hugging thing. And, and you just, you love the fact that you know that you didn't deserve anything, that you did not ask them to do this, yet they did it. That's one response. Now imagine, let's flip the script a little bit and have a different response. The person shows up, they're wealthy in your family, and they give you a car, and you see this car, and, and you say, well... You know, you've been wealthy for a really long time, and it's about time you finally gave me something really nice. And wow, did you buy a blue car? I really wanted a red car. And, and really, you bought a Hyundai? I wanted a Honda. Like, it's a different H name, okay? Like, can you take that back and get me exactly what I want? You see the difference in the way we approach it? Both places, the person didn't deserve it or earn it. It was a matter of heart. Are we having a heart of gratitude? Are we looking at everything in life as a gift? Or when we look at our job, we say, oh, come on, God, I wanted a better job than this. Uh. Now, you might need a better job. You might need to be praying about it and asking God to bring that about. But recognize that the job that you currently have is, in fact, a gift. We need to begin to see things differently. We need to be able to flip that script. Our job, our classes, our family, our church, our car, our house, our time, our spouse, all of them are gifts. And we'll find deep gratitude for those things when we see them in that particular light. A pastor once said, Thanksgiving sets us on a course to know God and to discover the reasons for which he made us. I love that quote. Thanksgiving sets us on a course to know God. And I fully believe that gratitude grows the more we know the giver. You guys, you know I'm, I'm all about getting to know God more. A deeper relationship, a more intimate relationship with God. And the more you spend time with him, the more you get to know him, the more you get to understand how much he loves you and you get to see things in a different light. You understand that he is a good gift giver. And we can give thanks out of gratitude. We can give thanks and saying, wow, God, you are so good. The scriptures, as they reveal you, that's really who you are. You are a good gift giver. You are good, and everything I have in my life is a gift. And when we can come to that place, we can realize who he is more so, because we see him as the good gift giver, the good father who loves us. We get to know him more. Are we spending time in thanksgiving? Are we spending time being grateful with a heart of gratitude towards him and what he's done in our lives? Because it will grow the more we know him. When we pursue him for who he is and not what he gives, 
See, that's the really weird thing about this. This paradox is about going after him and not his gifts. But on the way, as we get to know him, the gifts come along. But if we go for the gifts, then we miss the giver. Just like I missed my parents with that DVD player. Just like that person who got that car and they didn't like the color, they missed the giver. They completely made it about themselves and what they can get. And sadly, our relationship with God ends up being very much like that. His psalmist calls us to give thanks with our whole heart, recognizing what God has done. And he goes on to list the deeds of the Lord, that God did this, God did that. The enemy that was in my life was defeated. And my friends, you and I have a great giant enemy in our lives, and it's sin. And Jesus died to take that away from us. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to eliminate our sin, to purify us from all of our unrighteousness. We don't deserve it, yet he still did it. That is a powerful testament of the good, gift-giving God we have. But we cannot miss him. We must focus on him and be grateful for what he has done. Knowing him creates Gratitude and giving thanks helps us know him more. The next point that we must understand is that he gives not because we've earned it, but simply because he loves us. But simply because he loves us. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Paul will consistently talk about the death of Christ and the love of Christ in this book for the Corinthians. In chapter 15, he unpacks the reality of Christ's death and Christ's resurrection. And he says, you've got to get jazzed about this because it was a gift for you because of his love. John 3.16, we can all quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It came out of a place of love, not because it doesn't say, for God so saw man who earned the death of Jesus that he gave his only son. That's not what it says. We must understand that he gives not because we've earned it, but simply because he loves us. That's why I love that song about the reckless love of God. Now, we might not see God as reckless, but if you look at the, the, the story of it, there's that reality that God left 99 sheep in this imagery, to go after one. Now, if you're a shepherd, you might get fired for doing that. But he does it. He pursues us. He loves us. He cares for us so deeply. And that's why we have the gifts that we have. And so when you look at the floor you step on tomorrow morning, don't think, oh, I deserve life today. Say, wow, I have another day, and God has given me this day. What are we going to do with the gifts that we have. He gives not because we've earned it, but simply because he loves us. Recognizing that all good things come from the Lord as a gift helps us to have a heart of gratitude. But I think the next thing that we can see is that giving thanks produces gratitude. Giving thanks produces gratitude. Look again at that psalm that is in Psalm 9. 
I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. His giving thanks produced a deeper gratitude in his heart where he was able to then recount the things that God has done. When we give thanks and say, I will thank you with my whole heart, we've got to then begin to thank him for the things that we know that he gave us. How often do we spend time praying and asking God for the red car or the DVD player rather than saying, you've already given me so many good things. Sometimes it's hard for me to look at my children and say, wow, you're, being, you're a gift from God right now. Especially when they're screaming and they're not sleeping at all and they're freaking out at the store. It's hard for me to say, wow, you're a gift. But in that moment, I should be thinking, wow, they are a gift from the Lord. They have breath in their lungs to shout and scream. That's probably not going to be my first response. But they're alive. And they're there and they're mine. Everything can change when we see things and people as gifts. Things can change. Our perspective will change, and giving thanks produces gratitude. Knowing that all is a gift and giving thanks are different. Let me share with what I mean by that. We can recognize that things are gifts from God, but giving thanks has a tangible response to it. We could say, oh, that's a gift. Oh, that's a gift. But are we giving thanks for those gifts? Are we spending time being thankful and not just talking about it, but putting action to that? Saying, I'm grateful for what you've done. I want to go and be a gift giver as well. I want to model my father. I want to go out and give thanks, not just with my mouth, but with my hands and with my feet. We can recognize things as gifts, but the secondary part of that is that we must give thanks. Giving thanks produces this gratitude. And gratitude does not just produce words of thanksgiving, but also has an active response of thanksgiving. We must realize that giving thanks is not just saying thank you, but also offering a tangible, active response. So what do we do with the gifts that God has given us? How do we have a heart of gratitude in an entitled culture? Well, I believe that the more we give thanks, the more we come close to the heart of God, realizing the goodness of who he is. And the more we give thanks, the more our gratitude grows and the deeper our intimacy with God grows. But I also believe that gratitude leads to generosity. Gratitude leads to generosity. I believe that's a part of how we are to give thanks, that we realize that we are rich and that there are people around us that need more, that need Jesus, that need our love, that need something other than the world is offering them. Are we living generously? And I could be generous in our worship where we spend time, we come to church and we realize what God has done and we have that thanksgiving, that giving thanks. Maybe you hoop and holler a little bit more in, in worship and you say, yes, God, that is who you are. And we respond with raising our hands or if you really get motivated to just dance and thank the Lord for what he's done because that is an active response of thanksgiving. Are we generous in our worship? Are we worshiping freely or are we worshiping a little bit tightly? Because when we recognize and realize what God has done for us, man, 
Sometimes it's really hard not to just bust out in worship when we're living in thanks and living in gratitude. The idea of gratitude leading to generosity is also the point of the story of the servant who was freed from millions and millions of dollars of debt. We talked about this story a couple weeks ago. But the point of it was is that he was looking at this servant who just threw someone in jail for a $10 debt, and he says, come on, you're a wicked servant. Do you not remember what I did for you? Why are you not also generous with others as well then? It should have transformed the way in which you see life, but you didn't allow it to. Are we allowing the generosity of God to transform the way we see life, to see things as gifts? Gratitude leads to generosity. And this is not just about worship or about money. Are we allowing ourselves to be generous with our time? Are we allowing us to ourselves to be generous with our talents? Are we allowing ourselves to be generous with our treasure? Are we giving time back to God, saying, you know what, I am so grateful for what you've done, I'm going to serve you? Are we utilizing our talents in the church or in the community for the glory of God, or are we kind of keeping it all to ourselves? My challenge is, is that as we see everything as a gift in our lives, that we become generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We become generous in our worship, giving thanks with a grateful heart. That song, give thanks with a grateful heart. Are we doing that? A heart of gratitude is a heart that gives. Hillary and I have experienced this in our own life as a married couple God has done some great stuff in our lives. We've received and experienced a lot of healing from past pains, and we've seen how God has made us a perfect unit. Now, we fight and we mess up all the time, but we continue to come back together, and God has given us this passion to be generous with our time with other couples. It's just something that God has birthed within us. It was kind of an accident. You know, we were the first group of married couples in our, well, we were the first couple that were married in our group of friends in in college. And so we were married for maybe two months, and we had a a couple, our friends, that had just gotten married. It's like 1030 at night, and the wife is knocking on the door really loud, saying, we need your help. We just can't stop fighting. And we look at each other like, we've been married for two months. What are we going to do? How are we going to help them? Well, the Lord used us in that process, and so it's been an ever-continuing thing where we are generous with our time. Now, again, I'm not perfect at being generous with my time. I'm not perfect at being generous with my talent and treasure, but God has given us an ability to pour into other people's lives, and so we do it, being grateful for what He has done for us. Again, that's not every aspect of my life. Ask my wife. I still am very entitled in many areas, and the Lord has got a lot of work to do. But are you and I being generous? But it starts, I think, in order to have a heart of gratitude, to understand that everything is a gift, to really be generous and and, and really work in this idea of a heart of gratitude. I think it begins with humility because humility gives us eyes to see his generosity. Entitlement is birthed out of pride. I don't know if you were to ever connect those two dots But entitlement comes out of an area of pride. And the reason why we're entitled is because we think we're better. We think that we deserve stuff because of who we are or what we've done. That's certainly the case for the Corinthians. And so humility will give us eyes to see his 
generosity. Humility will give us the ability to be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Humility will give us the ability to see that everything in our lives is in fact a true gift from the loving Father. Will you and I allow the Holy Spirit to humble us enough to see the gifts that he has given? What do we have that we did not receive? And so if we have received it, why do we boast as if we have not, as if it was something that we deserved or earned? That's a question that I consistently ask myself because it is piercing. So I challenge you to ask that same question. How can we have humility? Ask the Spirit of God for it. Ask Him to bring humility. And sometimes humility comes in a way that's really difficult. Some of you and I and myself have been humbled by those painful things that happen in life. Because we realize, wow, I'm in this mess and I can't get out without the Lord. Allow the Spirit of God to birth humility within you. With this new perspective, may the Holy, the Holy Spirit may be nudging you to be more generous in your time, your talent, your treasure, your worship. And if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart to do any of those things, go for it. Be more generous with those things in your life. Because a grateful heart is a giving heart. Maybe you need to allow your gratitude to show up in sharing your faith as you recognize the, the depths from which you've been saved and the beautiful gift that you and I have received. Or maybe giving out of your wealth. Maybe there's some thing that the Lord has been birthing on your heart to give to. Give to it. Be obedient to what the Lord is saying. See all good things as a gift and walk with a heart of gratitude and a humble heart that sees everything as a gift. Because what have we received? What have we, <coughs> excuse me, what have you that you have not received? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a giving God. I thank you that you love us and give us those good gifts. Father, we worship you. We exalt your name because you are good. We exalt your name because you have conquered Satan, sin, and death on our behalf, and we did nothing to earn it. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts today to have hearts of gratitude, to be humble, to see everything in our lives as gifts. And may we allow our heart of gratitude to give us a heart of generosity, to know you more, and to give out of our wealth. In your name, amen. Please stand.